Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Heater. And recently in the Facebook group, I made a post asking if you could ask me anything and have me address it on a podcast, what would you ask me? And this episode is one of those questions. Okay, today's question is from Alice in the Facebook group. She asked how to manage a troop that has different levels of engagement among the girls. So some are active and others are not as active. And just as a reminder, this is kind of I'm answering these without doing really any prep or research beforehand. This is just off the cuff. So if we went to coffee and you just wanted to pick my brain about get my opinion about something to do with Girl Scouts, this is how I would answer. Also, a quick caveat, I put off recording this as long as I could. Um, I finally got COVID, you guys, and I have actually been testing negative for like a week and a half now. I try to record a few of these at a time so I get ahead, but um, so I just waited until the last possible day. And still, when I talk too much, I can hear that I'm losing my voice and uh, it can get a little rough. So doing the best I can, but if you hear it in my voice, yes, you guys, I got COVID. But um, I'm doing well. My family's doing well. We've all been negative for a while now and um, feel totally fine, but it's weird how you have those like lasting effects. But I mean, we made it two and a half years and we were very lucky that it was a very mild case. So that's the good thing. Anyhow, let's get back to Alice's question. So how would I manage a troop that has different levels of engagement among the girls? I think this is common, right? Because especially if you have a a larger troop or as your troop gets larger and larger, it's just natural that you're going to have some girls who are more available than other girls. Also, as the girls get older, they tend to be involved in more and more activities besides Girl Scouts. And um, so then they have to juggle. So the first thing that I'll say is that I want to give a caveat that my my troop mostly was very engaged. So almost all of the girls would have pretty close to 100% attendance at troop meetings. And events, though, were (laughs) not even close. I mean we would have a lot closer to like 50% at events. And the way that I used to structure my troop was we met every other week, which I do think helped because if parents really only had to figure out how to prioritize uh, troop meetings about twice a month or so, then that gave them um, a little bit of an easier time. I know I had a couple of girls who would do sports that would conflict and they would basically alternate. So on the weeks they didn't have Girl Scouts, they would go to practice. And on the weeks that they had Girl Scouts, they'd skip practice. But um, there were also girls who, especially as they get older, um, who would miss Girl Scouts like for the entire season, basically, that they were playing a sport. And then they would just come back when that sport was done. Maybe they would pop in occasionally during the season. But for the most part, we would know they were not available. It was primarily softball. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, 
So I will just caveat with saying like most of my girls showed up to most of the meetings. They did not, however, all show up to the events. And we had girls who pretty much never came to events. And we had otherwise, for the most part, we had girls that would come when they could. They just couldn't always. And like I said, our event turnout would end up being closer to that 50% mark. So, and, and it'd be great if we had more than that. So kind of the way that we would account for this with events is we would plan an event about once a month outside of just troop meetings and the girls would have the opportunity to attend if they were unable to attend I would always just kind of say I mean it's fine you know there's tons more fun to be had and there's going to be another event next month so there's always going to be more things for you to be able to get involved in if you miss something you don't have to feel like I missed the one event of the semester because there's one every month Um, so yeah. And then with the troop meetings, the hardest thing is having to account for supplies because with events, we would take, um, RSVPs and we would obviously have to plan carpool and food and all of these other details, depending on what the event was or the the trip was. And so, and we'd have to pay per head. And so obviously, um, we needed a a lot more pre-planning and preparation, which I think is actually a part of the reason why we had less attendance because there would be people who either just never RSVP'd or who couldn't make a decision until after the RSVP date. And so they missed the deadline. I generally, if I did not have an RSVP from people, I would personally reach out to the parents who I hadn't heard from to ask them to confirm, are you coming or not? Um, And I would reach out to them individually, most of the time via text if I didn't hear from them otherwise. Just because I found that that increased um, attendance, I found that there were parents who just are busy and they just don't prioritize communicating with me. And um, by me prioritizing communicating with them, I found that I had a really good response rate that way. It was really personal. Now, that was me choosing to take that extra step on. I know I've seen in a lot of other Facebook groups that uh, there can that can breed resentment for troop leaders who feel like they're already doing all of this planning and coordinating, especially if you don't feel like you have a lot of help and you're kind of doing it all on your own. You might feel some level of resentment to have to then make the additional ask or reach out again to all of these individual parents. For me, because my troop was always under like 25 girls. I don't think we ever went over 25, but if you've been listening to this podcast, you might even remember better than me because I'm not going to sit here and count right now, but I have talked about my troop a lot. Um, But I don't think we ever went over 25. And so there were never like that many parents that I couldn't send text messages. And it's not like I was sending 25 individual text messages because I'd have RSVPs from a lot of people. So maximum, I might have to send 10 text messages. And you know what? (laughs) That's just not that big of a deal to me. That's how I felt about it. Uh, But I know for some people, they do care and it can breed resentment. And the biggest thing is that if you find yourself doing activities that breed resentment to try to manage your troop, then it makes you then resent the troop, which makes you not want to be a troop leader anymore. It also can lead to resenting your parents, which like (laughs) you have to figure out how to cooperate with each other. So path of least resistance, you can just make a zero tolerance policy that if you miss the deadline, you miss the deadline and I'm not going to babysit you. You're totally allowed to do that. And 
Um, you have to do what works for you when you're managing a million other things. But for me, it honestly worked just fine to reach out to parents who I hadn't heard from. As for troop meetings, though, <laughs> it gets a little trickier because you need to have supplies to account like for the number of girls. Um, and I really liked to order badges or patches ahead of time. And so I would order the number for the full amount of girls. And if girls did not show up, then I would have extras. And so for me, <laughs> most of the time, stuff is returnable and having extras is always going to be preferable to having not enough. Um, so I just didn't mind if if it cost the troop a little bit extra. I just let it go. If I can return it, I'll get a refund. And if I can't return it, then I mean, that's just the cost of doing business as a troop. Um, there is another question in here later about organizing all of your Girl Scouts inventory. So that is one way you end up overstocking on Girl Scout inventory is by not minding that you have extras, but it just is what it is. Anyway, I um, I guess that's really what it comes down to for me is that I just didn't mind if a girl had other things and couldn't show up. And I would always tell families that once you're part of our troop, you're always part of our troop. So you can come back anytime you want. If you need to take a break, you can absolutely come back. And if you just have other competing priorities, like you're always going to be welcome when you can attend. Now, I can understand how this would be really obnoxious if you don't end up having enough people show up to actually do the plan or the activity. Uh, and this would happen to me most often if we had a troop meeting that fell on fall break or spring break. Now, we had girls from multiple schools, so not every, and we had a multi level troop, so not everybody was on break at the same time. But most of them were in at least the same school district. And to be honest, <laughs> I just didn't necessarily think that people would always be traveling for spring break. I didn't think it would be a big deal to have like a spring break meeting in the beginning. Um, and because we only meet twice a month, if we have to miss that week, it's just kind of taking away from what I felt like, what I started to feel like was just a very small selection of troop meetings. So I would typically still do meetings over breaks. I would, well, not summer, but um, over the academic, during the academic year, any breaks that fall there, holidays that fall there, I would still have meetings those weeks. I just um, would anticipate that it was going to be a really low turnout. So we would do something that didn't require, you know, a ton of girls. Um, but yeah, so I think that if you're having that problem week by week, like just in normal weeks that you just don't have enough girls even showing up to necessarily do activities and you never really know how many girls are going to be there. Cause I mean, that's the thing I pretty much always knew if we had 18 girls in our troop, I was going to have at least 15 girls there and I would plan on 18 girls being there, frankly, unless one of them had told me ahead of time that they weren't going to be able to make that particular meeting. But for the most part, I would plan on 100% retention. That's how, or 100% attendance. That's what it pretty much looked like for my troop. Um, but like I said, I would be able to feel confident that if we had a, a troop of 18, that we were going to have 15 show up to meetings. So if you're not having that experience, if you're feeling like, well, I only have eight girls and um, sometimes we only have three show up, that can be really, really disheartening. And 
three doesn't really feel like a troop, right? And so, um, and and goodness gracious, if you are experiencing that, it's only you and your daughter, maybe your co-leader and her daughter, or like just you and your daughter that show up, that can feel even more disheartening. And at that point, I would say there's a couple of things to look at. One is communication, making sure that you're communicating often and across multiple platforms about dates, times, locations, making it as easy as possible. Um, Also checking in with families to see like, is this troop not a good fit for you? Because if you consistently can't make the day and time or location of the meeting, you may be better suited to a different troop. Like, is this even a good fit for you? And if you're determined to be part of this troop, like, do we need to switch days? I mean, uh, it was really funny to find out that like um, one of the last years that my troop was still active before the pandemic, that um, almost all, I think it was all but one of our fourth graders all played on the same softball team. So if there was a softball commitment, they were all unavailable. And so we would plan events and no juniors would be available to attend. And it'd be like, wait, what's going on with the juniors? You know, and then we'd come to find out, oh, they have uh, a softball commitment on the same day or whatever it is. So um, if there's just something that would be a huge number of people in your troop that you then need to switch days or times or switch things up seasonally or something, then that's a bigger discussion to be had. But the first thing I would look at is communication, is just making sure that you're communicating uh, as, as often as possible in as many ways as possible. Generally, I would post meeting reminders in Facebook and I would uh, we had a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Well, we still do for my troop, which is funny because we haven't met in a year and a half. But gosh, a year. We haven't met in a year. Feels like a year and a half, a year and a half almost by Girl Scout standards, but it's been more like a year, like calendar year. Anyways, regardless. So um, we... I would post in the Facebook group. Oh, there we go. I'm back on it now. We had a private Facebook group and I would post in the Facebook group a couple of days before the next meeting. Hey, reminder, there's a meeting Tuesday. And then I would post either the day before or the day of. Hey, reminder, there's a meeting. And often I would share what they needed to know about that meeting. Here's what you need to wear. Here's what you should prepare for. You know, we're going to be painting. Wear something you don't care about. We're going to be running around. Make sure you wear closed-toed shoes. You're going to need your uniform. We're taking pictures. Whatever it is. Um, But I would remind people, um, day, time, location, even the people who had been in the troop for a really long time. It's just easier. Mm, They're parents, right? So they're usually juggling multiple kids, a job, their household, tons and tons and tons of details and schedules. So just making it as accessible as possible. I also sent out a meeting reminder via email, and I would actually schedule those. So you used to need to find like a third-party app to schedule. But if you use Gmail, which is free, you actually can schedule your emails to send at a later time right in Gmail. And so I would actually set up meeting reminders for several weeks at a time and just schedule them in Gmail so that I wouldn't need to remember. Um, And I did not require RSVPs for meetings i would just tell them this is when it is this is where it is this is what time it is like see you there um so yeah 
And then when we had new people, I would make sure to put the address, put the cross streets. I would, um, you know, maybe put like if there were some simple instructions that would help for how to get there or where to park, I would put that just because we'd know there were new parents who wouldn't be as familiar with the location on that thread. But as the year went on, or if we didn't have any new girls at the time, then we would just put the daytime and location, right? Okay, so honestly, that's the first thing I would look at is your communication. Um, even with reminding people on both Facebook and email, not everybody has Facebook. And now I feel like it's even less people are using Facebook, but not everybody has Facebook. I felt like email was a good compromise. One of my co-leaders started using the Remind app because that's what our kids use for their school district. Like they tend to have Remind for school already, their families. So um, in this area, that just is really common. And so one of my co-leaders managed our Remind account and would also send Remind messages telling people there is a, was a meeting coming up. Um, and we would do it the same way a couple days before. Reminder, there's a meeting Tuesday. And then on the day of, reminder, there's a meeting today or the night before, like reminder, there's a meeting tomorrow, either one. So um, we started adding remind reminders <laughs> in. Um, and again, remind is just an app. It's like a communication app. Uh, I am not crazy. I wouldn't have initiated something like that myself because I felt like if parents don't already have it, it's asking them to download something else and set it up. And I felt like that's too many asks to get parents to participate. But if your school district already has something like that, then that is my recommendation is to to consider something like that as in addition to email and potentially Facebook, a Facebook group, if you have Facebook and if your parents have, if at least some of your parents have Facebook. I really liked a Facebook group because it was also a place for me to share photos and videos. So um, it was an easy way for parents to have all the photos for what was going on in the troop. I felt like that was a big miss if people were not in the Facebook group. But some people just don't use Facebook. There's also um, some group sites you can do. I know before Facebook groups were really popular, lots and lots of troops and service units would use private Shutterfly sites. So you'd have to have a password to get into the like area at the site. And um, they'd have meeting dates, times, locations, and photos and permission forms and stuff like that that could all be done through like a private membership site like that and there's certainly plenty of those some may or may not have fees associated but that's also an option once again to me it felt like that is asking them to sign up for something additional and to me it was really important to meet parents where they already are so if they're already hanging out on facebook that's good they have to get email because they get email from school they get email from other extracurriculars and so I felt like sending them an email was totally appropriate but I also know lots of people sometimes including myself do not <laughs> regularly read their or respond to their emails so um, having multiple avenues to send them reminders is really important and also sending multiple reminders is really important um, just because sometimes you hit them at the right day and time and sometimes you don't. And so sending multiple kind of increases your chances that they're going to see it. Another thing that I 
would have liked to find a solution for is text message reminders. So the Remind app was the closest equivalent we ever got to. Um, There are now all these text apps where you can text a bunch of numbers. Um, I really wanted to do something like that. But at the time that my troop was most active, they were very, very expensive in my opinion. Um, But it's something that I always really wanted to be able to invest in was being able to text my troop. Now, of course, you can send like a group text message and lots of people do that. Um, Or you can use things like WhatsApp or uh, I can't think of Oh, kick, whatever those other group messaging apps are. You can certainly do those. If they don't already have that app, though, it's asking them to download it. And if you just do a group message, you end up with a ton of reply alls. So if you start a group thread for Girl Scouts, there are going to be parents who have something to tell just you and they're going to put it in the group message. It's going to be like, oh, so-and-so is going to be late. Well, the whole troop doesn't need to know that. So that can get on... I think the parents' nerves really easily where they feel like I'm getting a ton of notifications. I don't want to be part of this group. People are very sensitive to being part of group chats. So I would not like even when I email parents, I BCC everyone so that nobody can. The only people who I put in the regular two line are the co-leaders. And then I put all of the parents in the the BCC line. And the reason is because if they hit reply all, which they will, then it's only going to the troop leaders. It's not going to all of the parents. And I don't feel like the parents need all the spam, right? So in a text message thread, I really was looking for a way to text the group of parents um, without them being able to reply all. (laughs) And I couldn't really find a solution. So if I ever texted parents, it meant texting them each individually most of the time. Sometimes I would do small groups if I knew they the parents were friends and so they wouldn't mind. Like um, we had three daisies the last year that we were super active um, right before the pandemic. We had three daisies who were really close and um, really, really loved each other. And so if I had something specific to text the daisy parents, I didn't mind texting those moms in the same thread because when they replied, it was going to be less invasive than if I had like 18 or 24 parents all in one thread. Also, some of the girls, you know, you have to message both of their parents or a step parent or whatever. They might have um, a grandparent. And so you have like three or four email addresses sometimes that you're sending reminders to or meeting information or event information to that specific girl. So you could end up with, I mean, just so many phone numbers on that group thread. And to me, that's terrible. So um, if you do that and it works for you, I'm not trying to knock you. Do whatever works for you and your parents. But if you're trying to solve a communication issue or a participation issue, then um, then this is just my thoughts on it. And I'm spending so much time on communication, even though that wasn't the initial question, because it is my first instinct to say, why are there different levels of engagement? And I think that communication can really solve a lot of those issues. The other thing that I would do that would help with communication is give as many dates as possible at the beginning of the year. So if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that we got into the swing of things where we, my co-leaders and I, would plan out our entire Girl Scout year 
in the summer. So my troop did not meet in the summer. And so it was a great time for us to really put together plans for the entire year. We would plan all of our events. We would plan uh, the locations for our camping trips. We would try to do like two overnight things a year. So could be sleepover, camping trip, whatever. Could be tent camping and cabin camping. Could be a sleepover and camping, you know, whatever. But we'd try to do one in the fall and one in the spring. And we would in general have like one field trip per month. And then we would also plan all of our meetings. So what badges are we going to earn? What activities are we going to do? We can even make supply lists for each of those meetings so that we can really plan accordingly for everything. And um, that worked really, really well for my troop. And it meant that I, excuse me, it meant that I could give my parents all of the dates at the very beginning of the year. Like, welcome back to Girl Scouts. Here are all of the dates. <laughs> and you can plan for all of those dates now, <laughs> right? Put them on your calendar. Put them in your phone. Like, I want you to know all of these dates. We also would do, at the beginning of the month, we would remind the troop of all the things for that month. So we'd remind all of the parents you know, at the end of this time of year, I'm recording this, it's September 26th, it's going to come out on the 27th. So around this time, it'd be like, October is right around the corner. Here's our October calendar for the troop. Here's all the dates you need for October, right? Just reminding you. And I had already given them all the dates for October at the beginning of the year, but now I'm giving them to you again on a month-to-month basis. And I'm still going to send meeting reminders and event reminders, etc. So you can see how it starts to be a lot of communication really quickly, um, which is why I pretty much just was willing to stick to email and Facebook. I would have been willing to do text messaging if I had found a way to text everyone without it being a reply all, but I just had not found that solution. Um, and my co-leader started doing Remind, but I didn't keep up Remind at all because I said, if you want Remind, you're taking it on. I'm not taking that on. I don't, I didn't necessarily believe it was going to be effective. So I was like, I'm not putting time and energy of my own into this that I don't even think is going to be effective. If you think it's going to be effective, you can manage it. And so she did Remind. Um, but yeah, and I think it was mixed. I think there were some parents who who got something out of it and who used it, and there were some parents who didn't. And I guess you could say the same for Facebook. So from that standpoint, it was just as effective, right? If if it's just helping get the message to, you know, 33% or more of your parents, then it's still an effective method of communication. It's just um the more of those communication methods that you can have, the better. Another thing that you can do is ask the parents when you meet them or when you first recruit their girl or at the beginning of every school year at a parents meeting or whatever, ask them their preferred methods of communication. And generally speaking, I would make this a multiple choice list and have them select the ones that apply to them. And they'll tell you we're not on Facebook or they'll tell you, you know what? I never read my email. I only get information from Facebook, right? And so um, that would give you more information. But Anyway, that's the first thing that I would tackle if you have a problem with engagement, um, which really wasn't your question either. It was how to manage the different levels of engagement. And really, my answer to that is very short. It's, um, I mean, I let girls come when they can. But if you, um, if you have an engagement problem, then I would look at communication 
first and foremost. That's like the first thing is just how do we make that information as accessible as possible and stay top of mind and present of mind for all parents that Girl Scouts is a priority, right? Another thing that I would look at is potentially recruitment. So if you only have six girls, then if you have an engagement problem, it's going to (laughs) become critical immediately, right? If you have six girls and three of them do not show up, you no longer have a troop. And so um, recruitment would be the next thing I would tackle. And this is, I think, part of the reason why that Girl Scout number of 12 is really helpful. So if you don't know, the kind of minimum to be considered a troop is generally five girls. Um, and, and there are councils that don't care, or councils that make exceptions or have different rules or whatever. But generally speaking, the like universal benchmark is that it takes five girls to be considered a troop. However, with the, it's called the opportunity catalog, where your troop is listed as available and open to recruitment on the website, if somebody went to your council's website to sign up a new member, your troop is going to show as an available opportunity, generally speaking, until you hit 12. At 12, it's an option. So again, this is a rule of thumb. There are exceptions in different councils, but rule of thumb is that once you have at least 12 girls, you can request that your troop is not listed in the opportunity catalog. Um, They may tell you, no, you don't have a choice. You have to be listed. And hopefully they'll explain to you why, like either because there just aren't enough troops in your area or whatever. Or um, they will go ahead and take your troop out of the opportunity catalog because you're over that 12 girl benchmark. Um, If you're under 12 girls, almost always they will tell you you have to be listed. Again, different councils are different, but either way, you're going to have to request to not be listed if you do not want to actively recruit. They will not take you out of the opportunity catalog by default. You have to ask for it. But anyway. So uh, generally speaking, you need at least five girls. Lots and lots and lots of troops who are maybe struggling to get going have three, four, five, six girls, right? They're smaller. They're on the smaller end. Um, Lots and lots of troops operate from like the eight to 12 range. And I'm talking number of girls, not age, although eight to 12 is also a common age range, but eight to 12 as in the number of girls. Um, that's a pretty normal sized troop. I would say that the rule of thumb, I guess you could say, or like kind of the standard is that 12 to 15 is really optimal and healthy according to Girl Scouts. Now, I understand you personally may not agree. You may like a really large troop or you may like a really small troop and and I'm not arguing with you either way. Um, I do think that it's a whole different ballgame to manage eight girls than it is to manage a troop of 15 girls. It's completely different. And I actually felt the growing pains when we started our troop, like our first year, when we hit 12, it was like a whole new world. I mean, it was like, okay, this is actually a lot of kids. We went from this little small group of kids, this little band of Girl Scouts to this like classroom of girls and it was a little overwhelming so I actually do think that there's some (coughs) adjustment that happens at that 12 (laughs) 
mark. Um, so 12 to 15 is a lot to manage. And I'm not trying to say it's not. So if you do, if you are very opposed to having 12 plus girls in your troop, absolutely justified. You're, you're valid. You guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I love big troops. So I actually became a really big advocate for, I want a massive troop. And when I'm ready to start another troop again, my intention is to collect as many daisies as possible and to start a troop with girls at the beginning, but as big as possible. And that is mostly for retention purposes. By the time they get to middle school, I want to have enough girls that stay in when you have that big, those big drop-off points at third and fifth grade that I have girls who make it all the way to the end. So my, my goal with my next troop is to get as many daisies as possible and to have this like, you know, 30 girl troop of daisies. That's my hope, but it kind of depends to where I live and everything like that. Like there's, you know, your girl opportunity varies. So, um, so anyway, I became a really big advocate for really big troops, but I will say this. If you have a really small troop, if you have like six girls or less, then, um, (laughs) different levels of engagement is going to be really hard. And at that point, if, if your different levels of engagement make it impossible for you to effectively manage your troop, then I would say you need to recruit. And you may not want a big troop. You may not want 12, 15, 20 girls in your troop. But if you have, let's say, six girls who are not active, then and they only come sometimes, then you need more like 12 girls in order to to supplements that you're going to have enough people show up to actually do group activities and for it to be, you know, a robust experience. Um, One other thing that I meant to mention, but I didn't because when I do these, I do not have bullet points or anything. I'm just totally speaking off the cuff. I mentioned that with our events, we would commonly be closer to that 50% participation mark. And um, I do want to go ahead and take a moment to mention that per Girl Scout policy, in order to pay for an event with troop funds, it's generally accepted that you need to have 50% of your troop participating. It's not considered a troop event if there's less than 50% of your troop participating. So hitting that 50% mark is generally really important. Um, now I will say for my troop, that was never a problem and it never came up. So, um, if we had, you know, only three girls participating, then my troop of, let's say 12 at the time, didn't care about whether or not troop funds were paying for that. So it was never an issue. And all the girls were always invited. We just sometimes would have people who dropped out last minute because they were sick or whatever. And so we would end up with like a really small group of girls on occasion. And also, again, the way we kind of justified that is that if there's an event every month, there's you're invited to be involved regularly. So if you miss the one thing, you're not missing the only thing. Um, Now, we wouldn't have done like a camping trip or a sleepover with that few of girls. We would definitely have bigger turnout for those kinds of things um, or we would pick a different date if that date didn't work because that was something we wanted as many girls as possible to be able to participate in but um, if we were going to like a museum or world thinking day fair or something like that you know 
sometimes there's just less girls there and for my troop it just never was an issue but you do need to know that because I always like to make sure I tell you the by the book rules and also so that you know what you might run into as far as having issues with different levels of engagement council considers 50% of your troop or more to be considered a troop event for the purpose of using troop funds do with that what you will Okay, so I think that is the bulk of what my my main response would be. I think generally speaking, we just let girls come and go as they could. And we always wanted to make space for girls to have other interests and other activities and still have room for Girl Scouts. So you are always welcome to be less active in my troop. I do also understand and account for the fact that not everybody can run a troop that way and not everybody has the bandwidth to run a troop that way. And so you have to do what works for you. It is perfectly acceptable to have kind of harder lines or more rules and restrictions about RSVPing and showing up to things. But I will just remind you cautiously here that you have to do what you can. You're a volunteer and what's reasonable for you to manage has to be reasonable. And also, it's really important that Girl Scouts is acceptable. And some girls have different levels of support at home. They can't necessarily, I mean, get themselves to a Girl Scout meeting. So if their family is not as available to manage their schedule and to drive them all over the place and pick them up all the time and whatever, they may have to be less active. And so in order to truly be an accessible organization meant for all girls, um, I think that it warrants making room for girls who are less engaged. It's not always the choice of the girl, right? Sometimes, oftentimes, it's the choice of the adults. And and even then, choice is a somewhat cringy word because a lot of adults would rather choose that they had all the bandwidth in the world for their kids, but they just don't. That's not realistic. So... Um, I think that that's just important to acknowledge is that allowing girls to be less engaged, if that's what it takes, is part of being accessible. And, um, and furthermore, even beyond the point of accessibility, for us, it was just important to make sure that girls always felt welcome and included and um, we encouraged them to explore other things. So if they needed to be seasonal Girl Scouts or if they needed to miss most meetings but they wanted to come to events, like that was all acceptable for us. Uh, It was just all about communication. So I hope that this is helpful, Alice and everybody else listening. Alice, if this did not answer what you were hoping to hear, I'd love to hear more from you about your specific troop situation or maybe expand on your question a little bit about how this could be more helpful for you. And um, yeah, but hopefully this helps. Talk to you guys soon. 